Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. We talked in a previous episode about this new book that we have, The Tuttle Twins Guide to Modern Villains, and how every chapter is a different villain in, say, the past century or so, a little bit more. And people would always, not would always, some people have asked me, why did you do modern villains? What about, you know, ancient villains? And I just say, well, it's it's harder to get a lot of facts and documented evidence of these things, right? There's myths and tales and claims of, you know, Genghis Khan and some of these guys. So it's just a bit harder to get enough information to write a book. So let's do modern villains. So we've we've got the book. We've got this list of chapters. Every chapter is a different bad dude. And we've talked about some of the more famous villains before, like Marx and Hitler. Today, we want to talk about one maybe you haven't heard of. Maybe you have. He's semi-infamous, you may say. And that's Napoleon Bonaparte. If you hear his name, you might be able to tell that he's French. He's actually born on an island that's closer to Italy than France. It was a small island called Corsica. It's important to understand the backdrop of the world that Napoleon lived in. Certainly like all the villains, the point of our book is to say, here's what was happening at the time and how they rose to power. Well, Napoleon, he was born in 1769, just a few years before the American Revolution. And then, of course, later the French Revolution. So this was a rather exciting time of world history. Things were starting to really heat up. A lot of these you know, wars and battles were taking place and things. So Brittany, maybe you can talk a little bit about what was going on outside of France at that time. Yeah, well, so 1769, that's a big year for what wasn't even the United States yet, right? That was when things were really starting to heat up. And this would have been, I think, even after, I might have this wrong, Intolerable Acts, which is one of the final straws. What year was the Boston Massacre? I just forgot. That was like 1775. So that happened a bit after. It was right before. Yeah. Okay. So we're a couple years away from that. But this is important, right? Why why does something that happened in the American colonies important to France? Well, the whole world was watching. That's why they called that uh, Lexington and Concord battle. They called it the shot heard around the world because people were really watching to see what happened. This this ragtag group of you know American colonists were about to take on the British crown. And another reason this is very interesting is the impact our revolution had on France. And I think Connor, you and I did an episode a while ago, a long time ago, about how the French revolutions, more than one, um, were different from the American Revolution. And they're very different. The French one was definitely a little bit more, and by a little bit, a lot of bit more like collectivist. It was more um, what the classist, like, oh, we want to, you know, the rich and have too much power and the poor don't. It was more very socialist in nature. So they were very different in that way. But France was, they really saw what we were doing and decided that they could stand up against their government too. The problem is, as I said, theirs wasn't really liberty centered. It also was just all over the place. I mean, it was chaotic. It was constant people, you know, overthrowing one government, instituting another one. So it was crazy. But this is important for you to see the the world that Napoleon was born into, because that's really going to impact his his view of not only, again, power, but but war, too, and what can be accomplished when people stand up. So this is really important. And like you said, I think with any villain we look at, it's it's so important to see what the world was like around them, because they're going to absorb that and it's going to shape who they are and how they believe. I, I think that's to- totally right. And 
even though Napoleon was born far away from France, he moved there when he was just nine years old. So he went to a military school. He's probably really aware of, you know, French thoughts about politics in general, what was happening at the time. But for him, he became obsessed with war tactics, like how wars were waged and military strategy and everything. He wanted to know how to invade another country. How long would it take to travel there? How many supplies would you need? How many men would you need? These types of questions weirdly kept him up at night. He became extremely knowledgeable with military tactics. Now, what a weird little kid. <laughs> Just yeah, thinking, yeah. staying up all I mean, night. Or... <laughs> you know, boys will often play, you know, cops and robbers or war and, and so forth. There's this societal, I don't know, trend where the young will mimic the old. And so if they see all this war making, they'll learn about it as kids. But Napoleon went next level, right? This wasn't just playing and having fun and, and, you know, pretending you're in a war. This was actually studying tactics and resources and, and all the rest. It was kind of weird. So, but he was impressive. And as a result of all this knowledge, he worked his way up the, the military ladder, if you will, by impressing everyone around him. I mean, here was this guy who was very confident. He knew a lot about how the military worked or how it should work. He had a lot of good insights born from his studies and thoughts and research. One of the higher ranking military leaders even mentioned that Napoleon almost had, quote, too much courage, right? This guy was getting kind of full of himself and very bold and so forth. So by the time he's 25, he's worked his way up the ladder and he was known for being one of the best soldiers in the, in the military. So he gets to the point of being 25. Brittany, what's going on when he's about that old? Yeah. So by this time, you know, France has already been very influenced by the American Revolution and by our Constitution. And the people were really getting sick of their king, who they thought was abusing power. And they wanted him to be limited by a constitution, which, again, sounds great, right? That sounds like, oh, good, we're influencing, you know, people for, for the better. But again, they didn't really understand fully what the Americans were doing. And they didn't have like John Locke. We've talked about him a lot. They weren't following the same philosophers that we were following. So this is crazy time for France with all the political unrest. Now, the king started allowing for what was called a national assembly. And think of that like our version of Congress, right? So it wasn't, they weren't like, it was like the executive branch and a legislative branch. They had two, and that was supposed to be good to keep the king in check. But that was not enough at all. And the people decided they wanted the king gone altogether. Together. So the revolutionaries actually took things into their own hands and had the king executed, which was pretty extreme. Um, so, I mean, just imagine how crazy it would be if you're in the town square one day and all of a sudden they bring the king and execute. <laughs> I mean, things things were nuts back then. There was no rule of law anywhere, not just for people in power, but you know, again, people were, were killing people without a trial. And even an, even a king, no matter how abusive he is, right, should have a trial. Nobody should just be allowed to, to, to execute somebody. So there was a new group that came into power. But then when they didn't like that group, like this kept happening. So a group would come into power. People would decide they didn't like that group. So a new group would overthrow, come into power, and like the whole thing would repeat itself. And I mean, imagine if you're a French citizen just sitting there like, you probably can't even keep track of who's ready your country or what, what philosophy they're following because it was just happening so much. And in the process, of course, thousands of people died. So how does Napoleon fit into all this? In 1975, there was a new political party in power and they were called the French Directory. 
And this group was worried that their enemies, and their enemies were named the Royalists, would try to overthrow them. And if you need some help remembering what the Royalists would believe, think of the word royal as in that, right? So royalty king. So they were loyalists to the king. So the French directory, they wanted to make sure that this, that they would not be, you know, overpowered by the Royalists, right? So they decided to have this young military genius named Napoleon take care of the problem and, and squash their opposition. And as we already know, Napoleon was really good at what he did. And so he did not disappoint them. He defeated the Royalists. And then he starts becoming really famous around France, right? So um, remember, everything's crazy during this time. And there were outside forces that didn't like the French directory. So like I said earlier, this whole thing went on again, where there were people not only outside the party that didn't like the French directory, there were people inside the French directory that decided they didn't like who was in charge of the French directory. So no one was safe when it came to this fight for power. And nobody is trusting the government at all because they're just so crazy. So there's a scary lesson that we've learned throughout history. And that's when politics gets unstable, sometimes the military can get too powerful. And when that happens, it gets really dangerous because the government is at least supposed to be in control by us. I know that that doesn't always happen, but they're at least like accountable to the people. But the military really is not, right? And they have all the weapons. So it gets kind of scary when all of a sudden you have a military in power. And of course, who was the most powerful person in the French military? You guessed it. It was a Napoleon at this time. So I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, Connor. It, it didn't take much, though, for Napoleon to rise to power. The The people loved him. This gets to the whole point of why we wrote the modern villains book. It's one thing for the, the, the villain to do what the villain is doing. It's another thing to say, well, why were the people acting this way? Why did the people love him? Right. Well, they were sick of the unstable government. At least the military was consistent. Right. So so here's perhaps a, a lesson to learn from just because you see one problem doesn't mean that the solution is going to be a good one. And so be careful about what you see as the solution to the problem when everyone's like, oh, I'm really sick of, you know, like Hitler was the exact same thing. Hey, they're destroying our currency and German pride and all these things. And these horrible uh, you know, treaty from World War One is making life miserable for Germans. And everyone's like, yeah, because it was like they had some valid points. And, and so everyone was frustrated. Oh, here's this Hitler guy. He's so well-spoken and he agrees with us, right? And suddenly this guy rises to power and more people want to support him. And then he uses that power to do horrible things. So such important lessons that just because you agree with someone on a problem does not mean that they should be part of the solution. Well, Napoleon. And I think that's one lesson that, that the uh, listeners will see all throughout the new book. I think that's something oh, sure. that is pretty much, yeah, every, every villain starts that way. Totally. Napoleon, he decides that the French constitution should be replaced with a new one. So it was. And the French directory was abolished. The new government established that three people would be in charge. So who did Napoleon decide was in charge? Himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, power went to his head. And when some, you know, power goes to someone's head, villains are born. This new constitution, it wasn't even approved. Napoleon faked the results to make sure that he was in charge and According to Napoleon, 99% of the vote was in favor of his new government. Rubbish, of course. So yes. he soon replaced that constitution with a new one that put him in charge forever. I mean, this is bad, but I think what he did next was worse. He didn't just want power over France. He wanted to control all of Europe. And he tried. I mean, this was the guy who studied 
the military and how to conquer people and how you would do it, how you would win successful wars. So he tried. And England, for example, they they weren't going to stand for any of this stuff. So they had fought with France off and on throughout history, a long time. And they formed a treaty to make sure that that didn't happen again. But England saw that Napoleon's power was going to his head. They were worried that Napoleon was trying to conquer all of Europe. So they charged him with breaking their treaty. And so the truce was off. England and France were no longer at peace with one another. Here we go again, yet more conflict between the two countries. So England, they join with Russia, Sweden, Austria, Italy. These countries all join together to try and stop Napoleon. Well, Napoleon didn't, you know, let that stop him. He just decides to push further. He had all these powerful countries against him. He was still able to strike hard and overpower the Austrians. He had this lust for power. It was getting stronger. He wanted to keep winning. He kept moving east, conquering all these countries he encountered along the way. And, And none of this would be possible without his soldiers, right? The people doing the actual fighting. He didn't keep their needs in mind. He drove his armies through Poland during a cold winter. The conditions were horrible. People were literally killing themselves because things were just so bad. But this guy, Napoleon, he was obsessed and he kept moving forward and trying to take over everything that he saw. He's rampaging across Europe. This becomes known as the Napoleonic Wars. Millions of people lose their lives. You know, Napoleon didn't care about those people. He didn't care about their liberties. All he cared about was power and denomination. So a domination. So eventually, obviously, Napoleon gets defeated. He's banished to a British island in the middle of the ocean. Classic villain, right? Obsessed with power, doesn't care about people, doesn't believe in the rule of law. Rules don't apply to them. Willing to kill to get what he wants. And so as you read the villains book, The Guide to Modern Villains, keep an eye on the other villains and how they will have these things in common. Because as we pointed out earlier, Napoleon is not an anomaly. He's not different. I mean, he is. Obviously, everyone's different. What I mean is that what happened and how he rose to power, there are common threads between his story and the other stories and the stories happening today. The whole reason why Napoleon's story is matter. Uh, why Napoleon's story matters is because it's relevant to our lives. Circumstances are different. We're not in France, you know, 200 plus years ago. Things are much different today, but there's a common thread. Let's use, for example, the problem and solution we mentioned earlier. There are many problems today. There are going to be people who come up and say, here's this problem. And everyone will say, oh, we agree. Go fix it for us. And okay, I'll fix it for you. Just give me this political power. And so we can fall into the same trap. If there are problems that we send someone, we elect someone or we support someone because we want that problem fixed and turns out they end up doing some horrible things. So there's so many lessons to learn. The Guide to Modern Villains is packed full of them. If you're interested in grabbing the book, learning more about Napoleon and some of these other guys, and they're all guys, by the way. But there are some female villains too. (laughs) There are. They're just not in the book. Yep. (laughs) Go to TuttleTwins.com slash products. You can scroll down, find the guide to modern villains, pick it up, get reading. Let's get learning. Let's make sure this stuff doesn't happen again. I would really love to live in a world without even more modern villains, but it's up to you and I and all of us to do our part, to learn, to not repeat the, the mistakes of the past. We have to be educated so that we can stand up for our rights, stand up to these thugs 
and make sure that we can fight for a better world. With that, Brittany, great talking to you as always. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.